everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk Recorded live. Hey, it's, it's Mike again, and uh, I'm sure you'll, you realize what show it is. And for, fortunately, again, we have uh, Derek Hallett, and uh, he's a brother in Christ that's been blessed by our Lord to be a, a wonderful teacher of the truth. And so it's our third time. This time, hopefully everything will be okay as far as recording goes. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Derek, his, his ministry is Sound the Trumpet Ministries, and you can find that on, on YouTube, and I'll have it on the information box, and I'll try to remember this time to actually put his uh, website as well. And uh, just check out his teachings. And I know that a lot of folks, a lot of folks have, um, I shouldn't say a lot of folks because we don't have a lot of folks yet, do we? But uh, yeah, we've got the ones we <laughs> need. That's right. But the folks that have been listening, uh, they've uh, been nothing but positive, you know, as far as their reaction towards you. And, you know, first of all, Derek, thank you for joining me again. And secondly, you know, I hear a lot from your teachings. You say that people say that you teach too hard. I don't think that's the problem, Derek. I think mm-hmm. the problem is is that the, the teachings have been taught honestly enough, and the truth is hard to take, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So yeah, it, we, we kind of had an issue like that. Um, you know, uh, just recently, you know, I, I've always had a reputation for – I'm too blunt, you know, maybe he's a New Yorker, maybe it's this or it's that, but, you know, when you read the Gospels, you don't see anything different that Paul or Peter or Jesus Christ said. Jesus was a very blunt and in-your-face type of individual. I mean, not to, you know, make you feel bad, but the point is he told you the truth and how you received it was up to you. So a lot of people think today they would have liked Jesus, but... I often wonder, I think that the religious atmosphere, no matter what denominations there are out there, they probably would have tried to crucify Jesus again because of his truth, because of how blunt he was and right to the point. Yeah. And, but the thing is, too, is that everything that he says, not only, of course, we know it to be the truth, but why is it the truth? You know, everything that he's that he taught was for our well-being, our well-good. It was not for, you know, this whole thing, that you know, this whole religious paradigm that they created, this whole mindset about religion, when in reality everything he's asking you to do is to protect you from what you and I were talking about earlier today, That's a few right. well, well, ten minutes ago, about what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like, you know, it's not like he was asking anything that was that terrible or burdensome it's the complete opposite so um and then we talked about maybe that you know the spirit well the spirit of god is moving you today to talk about idolatry and idolatry is a, a huge issue in the world mm-hmm. which is an understatement obviously uh you know because it's, it's pretty much if you're focused you know if 
There's times, brother, when I when I'm battling these demons and exposing them, sometimes I feel like, God, am I being idolatrous myself? Am I? What am I doing? But I also know mm-hmm. it's important that the truth be told in its fullness on all Absolutely. sides. Absolutely. But you know, the answer and the ultimate answer has always been our Lord and Savior, our King of Kings. Mm-hmm. You created us in all things. You know, Amen. Our Father. You know. That that what he wants is he just he just wants a relationship with us and I guess uh, you know I'm you know reading from uh, First Samuel now I'm in Second Samuel and just the what David did what he went through with Saul you know what I mean and here's this mm-hmm. guy who's extremely faithful to a man who was anointed of God who didn't rebel against God and was. That, you know, this use a usual, what, what was, anyways, um, and to see that this man was willing to be so faithful to his king. Mm-hmm. What the heck's what's wrong? What's wrong with us? I, and the only thing I can think is because we've been so indoctrinated, so blindsided by the satanic system that we're under, that we really don't know what it means to have a spiritual relationship with God the vast majority of us. And what that really means by letting go of everything in this world, which are just a bunch of idols from the television to, you know, things of this world to uh, the good, bad, and the ugly when it comes to this world and putting all that before him. And, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, it's like when it came time for the Amalekites when they attacked it was the, the Zeklag city, and they took his wives and the wives and children and of all the that six hundred men that were following David while they were mm-hmm. in um, the Philistines' uh, territory. Um, you know that the first thing he did before going after his wife is he prayed to God for what he God wanted him to do. Amen. What a what a lesson that is. Now you and I'm going through some really heavy things too. And it comes to my son, and I go, well, what is it that I'm supposed to do? Do I go after my son? You know, legally or whatever it might be. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not getting it. I'm just like, just this is what's important. What you and I are about to do, and what I'm doing, and what you're doing. Uh, you know, brother, you need you need. <laughs> I need to encourage brothers like you to feed. The flock, to feed them, to let them know the truth and what the truth is, where it comes from, because God is greater than me, my son, or anything else that I so desire. So, and people might say, "Well, that's really bad." And I'm going to tell you something. No, it's actually really wonderful to be in that place to finally realize that God is more important than me or anything else. Amen. And that's one of the first. That is what Jesus Christ said was the first and great commandment of the law is that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, I mean, all of our might and all of our strength, and, you know, to love our neighbor as ourselves. So, you know, I think that because of this backwards world and because of idolatry being such a big deal, that seems far into the carnal mind, but that's why the Lord wants our minds to be transformed, that we might know God and become conscious of him and know that everything else could become second 
Because if you've got the proper love for your God, the love that he's got for you, then you can love your neighbor and your children and your wife and your husband or whomever correctly, and it will not be in, you know, witchcraft. It won't be in deception. It won't be in trying to gain things from them or, or have these types of infatuations that are not healthy. So it's always important that we love God first and everything else second. And, you know, that is the only true way to serve the Lord because I even have friends that would not preach the gospel to their children because of the fact that they might feel that it's in, you know, the kids might get scared or let them have their childhood. So other than that, you know, you can't be a disciple of Christ because you love your children and they're an idol to you more than God is. So when we give God the reins and we're conscious of him being the most important thing, then everything else falls into divine order. Most homes today are not run in divine order because there's lots of idolatry and ungodliness that are in them. So if we want things to run smooth, if we don't want to be idolaters and we want things to go right in our lives, then we've got to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, with all of our souls, with all of our might and our strength, and then love our neighbors as ourselves second. So you're absolutely right, brother. Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, and it's, uh, you know, when you do that too, this like, you know, like this time, you know, there's the, the pain of rejection, but, you know, the more and more you, you realize, you know, what am I doing? This is really, this emotionalism is just sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if I speak the truth to my, my son's mother or to my son, which that's what I do, or to my my son's mother's daughter, I have nothing to feel guilty about. No matter what everybody mm-hmm. else does, there's no sin in speaking the truth, especially when it comes to God. I mean, so, you know, if, if and of course they don't like it, and, you know, and I hear all the nonsense and stuff. And, hey, well, tough. The thing is, you've got to stand before your creator one day. So, hey, you know, they don't like it. You know, they get mad. Well, tell them to get glad. <laughs> it's not going to change. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> so, hey, listen, let's start out with prayer, and then I'll, I'll let you take over, brother. I'll start off. All first. right. Let's do it. Almighty, Almighty God, our true and living God, our just and merciful God. Thank you, God. As we start to understand and mature and what that really means, and that you never asked anything from us that wasn't for our benefit, that you yes, never lied Lord. to us, you never tried to deceive us, and that it was the devil, and it was his minions, and it was all the people that are influenced by them that have been keeping the truth from us, and our own rebellion. And God, I just would ask that you forgive me for all my rebellious ways, and keep on forgiving me, and that thank you for eternal salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your only begotten, who came in the flesh, yes, paid for our sins, and has risen is on the right-hand side of you, Father. Thank, thank you that we have a mediator. Thank you. We have a real king, a real Lord. Yes, Lord. And that God, I just hope the people that your whole your your spirit will uh, 
be present in this recording, that he will guide Brother Derek and his message, and that the truth will be heard. And God, allow us to be uh, continue to grow in faith and encourage in your f- faith and courage and your strength to speak the truth and not worry about what other people may think or do. And even if the rest of the world rebels against us or rejects us or rebels against you, you know what? There's nothing better. God, there is literally nothing better in this world yes, that I've come across yet in my half a century of living here and serving Jesus. Serving you is the best thing that a man could do and a woman can do and the most honorable thing. And uh, like we were talking about, if King David can serve a man like Saul faithfully, how foolish are we not to put all our energy into you? Yes, Isn't that even out to get us, but out to save us? And to, to free us. All praise and glory to you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I also want to pray tonight for my brother Mike. I want to pray for his family. I want to pray for his mom, Lord. I want to pray for all the places in his life that the enemy is attacking. I pray, Lord, that you raise a standard against him. You said when the enemy comes in like a flood, that that's what you would do. Well, I pray in the name of Jesus that this recording will touch the eyes and the ears of those who can't see in here. I pray that their hearts be open, Lord, to receive your truth. And I pray that no man's flesh be glorified, Lord. And I pray that no man's heart be heard tonight. But I pray that by your spirit that people might be reached, that they might receive you and turn from their wicked ways. In the name of Jesus, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every distracting spirit, every antichrist spirit, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim that it be bound this very moment. And I pray, Lord, that you forgive people, Lord, of what they do as long as they come before you, as long as this period of grace that you have given us to get things right. I pray that every day we become transformed that we might do your will. As we talk about idolatry tonight, Lord, I I ask that you take the wheel and that you lead us into the depths of how far this thing goes, that we may no longer be idolaters, but be children of righteousness that walk in armor of light and are out to spread your word. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, we pray that you do these things for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we get going, i got some good news to share, folks, and a triumph for our Lord and King. Okay, so my mom, uh, after the the madness that happened with uh, my son's daughter, you know, this is the same one, by the way, that I tell Jesus loves and (laughs) <laughs> loves her and, and he wants her to follow her he wants her to follow him. uh and then she you knows she's you know the demons are all raging so anyway it's, it's, it is what it is so uh yeah. five minutes later then my mom called and said you know uh you know i need you to come over because uh i can't get out of bed i need to go to the bathroom and all that kind of stuff 
and she was having a hard time with her arthritis because of her age and all that. So I went there uh, that night, and then yesterday morning, then yesterday evening, yesterday evening, um, I prayed for her again, and she did something for the first time and didn't fight me. She allowed me to take all of her tarot cards and tarot card books and her and her astrology books and all that kind of stuff and uh, Vanderbilt cards. There's her tarot cards. There's just all this witchcraft. So I said, Ma, you know, having this stuff around you, it's all around you. It's not going to help you in any way. This is probably half of the reason why you're being oppressed right now and and, and really suffering is because these things are right with you. I mean, did you realize these things, what they do? They pray over these things, and they allow demon, they demonize these things. And a lot of this is, is a, a doorway for allow you. To, it's not there to help you, Ma. It's there to, to, to curse you. This is a curse you have right in your own home. That's so she finally, she finally allowed me to throw them out. She goes, make sure they throw them out somewhere where no one can get to them. And I said, wow. <laughs> and uh and uh and you know um so we got rid of that so it was today i mean i went by this morning and she was doing much better already so and then my sister showed up and she said she'd be here this evening so there there you go so the point being all that folks is there's triumphs and they might seem like small ones but i strongly believe that my mom and i think this is this, there's a lot of people that mm, they know that Jesus is real. I mean, she had a personal relationship at one time, mm-hmm. but then you know, with becoming a Mormon, and then all the, and she doesn't like me calling her a New Ager, but you know, she's not she. But I mean, the alternative is even worse, I guess, in this day and age. I guess you're practicing witchcraft if you're doing astrology and tarot mm-hmm. cards, and God's he. And I was telling her, I said, Ma. God, that's equivalent to murder. That's kind of fornicating. God is, he hates this, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Witchcraft oh, yeah. is, is an abomination to God. So, and you are not going to go to heaven if you're practicing witchcraft as much as you believe in Jesus. So, praise the Lord. She's like over the final. Sometimes it takes uh, God to really allow heavy things to happen to us in order for us to wake up. That's right. And those are major triumphs. You know how some people might call them small victories? Not in the least because, you know, there was a writer, you might have heard of him, Frank Peretti, which I'm no fan of, but no matter how many flaws there are in his books, one thing that he does make clear is that if we could see the spirit realm and what controls the things that are in the physical realm that we think are no big deal, he says, man, you would be stunned. If you could see who rules the newspapers, you know, as you can see the the uh, the news anchors that are there and they're giving you all this false information, if you could only see the demons that are standing behind them or when you see, um, you know, records and albums being printed out and coming off the press, how, you know, that there are entities there that are breathing upon this music and all these things, if you could really see what was in the spirit realm that was affecting everything physical around you, you'd be blown away. There would be no other alternative other than to seek Jesus Christ. So what does the devil do? He hides in plain sight. He conditions people 
to become idolaters, to have a love for the things that God hates and a hatred for the things that God loves. So, you know, we ought to be aware of everything physical being affected by the spiritual. And that's why tonight's study is going to be called Idolatry and the Day of Visitation. Idolatry and the Day of Visitation. So, you know, the reason why uh, I think the Lord gave me this is because I personally believe that idolatry is going to be the biggest sin that is going to send the most people to hell because it can be masked, it can be cloaked, there could be so many things that if we're not putting God first makes us idolaters. We're also going to find out that idolatry is, I mean, no sin is greater than another, but there's something about idolatry that makes God very angry to the point that where he has even put a particular curse on those that are involved in idolatrous practices. Now, you know, all of these things can be canceled in Jesus Christ, but we have to stop the things that we are doing so that they don't continue. Okay, so, um, yeah, you know, when it means about the day of visitation, a lot of people are involved in things, and, you know, you got people in the New Age movement, and you got people in all other kinds of religions, and, you know, like you said, tarot cards and all sorts of witchcraft and palm reading and all these things. But, you know, God understands that many of us are ignorant to these things, which is why he tells us not to play with them. Because even if you were to take a subject such as yoga as like no big deal, and it's become a major trend in America right now and on the, in the Western Hemisphere, what we've got to understand is that yoga is a word that simply means to yoke. And when you yoke, you yoke with the Hindu goddess, Kali, who's supposed to be the goddess of death. Okay, so we ought to understand that, you know, um, when you open yourself up in these practices that look like they're just stretches, in every position in yoga has something to do with worshiping that goddess, Kali. We don't understand that it's not just an exercise. There's a spiritual component to it. I've even been told by, you know, yogi practitioners that there is no way to do yoga and have it separate from Hinduism. That's the biggest lie that they're telling people, and you're starting to find these studios even in churches, okay? So it is very important that we understand that idolatry bothers God. What seems harmless to us, or like the Bible says, that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination to God. So we've got to know what God's desires are that we may not become idolaters because when the day of visitation comes and the Lord comes to visit you for what you've been doing after what you've been told, it's no wonder sometimes that people break out in, you know, diseases and they're on their deathbeds and they're very sick because they have, a, they have given the enemy a legal right into their lives. And he always comes with the feel-good message. He always comes with making you feel great about your physique or whatever it is. But you see, in the long run, self-love is the thing that does you in. And that's why we've got to hearken unto the words of the Lord. So, bro, if you've got anything to add to this, you can. If not, we're going to get right into this thing. Uh, I don't know if it's time to do it or not, but, you know, we did talk a little bit about uh... – 
my beloved big brother, which I love a lot, and mm-hmm. his issues, and uh, what we're going through, and so maybe we'll, we'll I'll, somewhere I might add that to the conversation. But outside of that, no, I just want to let you go. Take over, take over, brother. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, Thanks. so let's get started in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to begin at verse 1, and we're going to see what we mean concerning idolatry and how it bothers Jesus Christ. I believe that's who this was, the mouthpiece of God that was speaking on behalf of the Father that we might receive him. So this is Exodus 20, and we're going to look at verse 1. I'm reading from the King James Version, and it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, some people may say, oh, I thought you guys said there's only one God. Well, if you look in verse 3, that's a lowercase g. It doesn't mean that these things are God, but if you were to put anything before the one true God, anything that influences you to do what it wants you to do, you make that thing your God. Okay, so they're not the one true God, but they can be your God if you yield and you submit to them. So he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, this is the Ten Commandments. This is the first thing that God says. And what people ought to understand about the Ten Commandments is the first five are about your love towards God. The last five are about loving your neighbor. So when Jesus said this is the first and great commandment is that we love our God, then we got to understand he was covering the first five. But his job or what he meant for us to do was to have this in our nature by his spirit, not just following rules and rituals. So he says in verse 4, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. So, you know, flat earthers would love that, but we'll keep on going for now. So it says in verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So what idolatry does is shows God your hatred for him. This is how sensitive a topic is concerning idolatry and how we think some of the things that we do are no big deal. He says that he is a jealous God. Now, according to Oprah, she likes to say, well, Jesus Christ couldn't possibly be the other way, I mean, the only way. And then she says, that, you know, what turned her away from Jesus is because she said she learned that God was jealous, jealous of her. She doesn't understand what godly jealousy is, you know, that that God's jealousy over us is like the jealousy that a parent would have to a child not wanting that child to be hurt, you know? God, if we understand who he is and what he is about— God has a right to be jealous over you because he gives you the very breath in your lungs. And I want people to read Psalm 139, and you'll have a better understanding of why God has godly jealousy over us. Can you imagine being a parent out there 
or being a husband or being a wife, and you've given everything to your spouse, everything to your child, and to have your child call another man or woman dad, okay, or mom, or to have your children, um, you know, or to have your wife or husband calling someone else their wife or husband when you have been everything to them. So if you guys want to understand jealousy, this is righteous jealousy. This is godly jealousy because he loves us and he does not want us to be deceived. Now, when you look where he says visiting the iniquity of the fathers and children, I mean, upon the children unto the third and fourth generation, we've got to understand this is the only sin that man commits that God will allow iniquity to follow for two or for three or four generations. That's how serious it is because a lot of people don't understand that, you know, I've heard women with charms, you know, where they, I don't know if you've ever seen them do it over pregnant women, but they'll take a, um, looks like a little uh, necklace, like a charm, and they want to know if a woman is having a, a boy or a girl. So they wave it over the child, and if it's supposed to go in a circle, it's a girl. If it rocks back and forth, it's a boy or something like that. But I've heard of stories of kids having the most problems after doing something like that. You know, I've even heard of women being barren because of stuff like that. So we've got to understand that this is a very serious sin, and it allows the enemy to affect your generation. We ought to do a study one day on ancestral curses because they're a big deal. There are things that some of your family members have opened themselves up to demonic um, you know, oppression that will pursue you. The spirit of heaviness is one of them. A spirit of rejection is another. There are things like alcoholism and, you know, drug addicts and, you know, all sorts of things. There is even a guy, Paul Hextrom, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but, you know, he has a um, thing on, you know, he was a man that was molested in his life, very young in life. And um, he, it seems like every couple of years, he would run into another child molester that would do the same things to him, even the pastor's daughter. All sorts of stuff would happen to this guy. So he grew up an angry man, you know, an abusive husband and all these things. But what he needed to happen to him was to have those things canceled in Jesus Christ. So you would wonder, how can a child have so many bad things come upon him? Or how can? why does it always seem that a woman ends up meeting um, a, a wife batterer, an abusive man, and no matter what relationship she goes into, it seems like she meets the same type of man. Well, these things can happen because of idolatrous practices, because of things opened in our lives, giving the enemy a legal right, not to just go from one generation, but can go into the third and fourth generation. So we've got to understand it's not God wanting it to happen, but God recognizes that anyone that is an idolater hates him. He makes that very clear because you would rather have that over him. So we've got to understand that idolatry is a very big thing in the eyes of God. It is something that he takes very seriously. And I don't mind God being jealous. That just shows his love for me. But his jealousy is because he wants us to make it unto eternal life, and he's the only one that can do that. 
and he is worthy of all praises. So godly jealousy is an, is an awesome thing, but uh, that's why I tried to compare it with being a parent or a faithful husband or wife, because then you would have an understanding as to what God feels. That's why God gave us the family unit. That's why God gave us husbands and wives, because he wants us to understand the family unit of God in its entirety, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not saying by any means that the Holy Ghost is female. What I'm saying is because the Bible makes clear he's male, but the Bible says that he is the comforter that comes to us. And, you know, he he comes to uh, be that uh, protection for us that was sent by the Spirit of God, that was sent by God that we might be like Christ. So what is the, um, the Holy Ghost? He's a type of wedding planner. You know, he gets you ready for this great big wedding. Like when you think of Abraham, he's a type of God the Father. Isaac was a type of Jesus Christ. And then you had the nameless servant. Kind of sound like the Holy Ghost, doesn't it? A nameless servant because he never comes to represent himself. He went and found Rebecca for Isaac. And the first thing he did was shower her with gifts, the same things that the Holy Ghost does for us. So, you see, if we understand the Old Testament, which is why I went here tonight, it'll give us more understanding of the new and what God's purpose is for us. So, if you don't um, have anything to add, bro, we're going to get right into it. The only thing I have is personal experience that I shared with folks. Uh, I'll share it again. You know, yeah. that night when I uh, had the uh, blessed comfort, confrontation with my son's mother's daughter, my, my son's big sister, Allie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, here's, you know, <clears throat> six and a half years raising this boy by myself, uh, spending all this time with him, doing everything that you're saying, you know what I mean? And of course, it's mm-hmm. a broken home, so, you know, but I've, you know, God's been working on me, and I've turned and changed me around, and, you know, I spent a lot of time praying with my son, and reading the Bible to him and trying to teach him the right things. And he went with her. Right. And I was trying to call him back and he went with her and I was like, and, he, and she was making up all this stuff. Oh, he's all scared. I'm like, it's, I'm his dad. Mm-hmm. I think this is the guy that, you know, that I've, I've been there. It's protected him from you guys all these years. And I said, okay, God, maybe this is a time for me to learn about, what it was like for you, what it's like for mm-hmm. you in your situation as God. And I also understand what it's like to feel betrayal and feel rejection and feel, but you know, it's, but the, the jealousy, I don't necessarily, it's not the same. It's like, I mean, jealousy, the only one is I want for my son's salvation, really. I want my son to have a happy life and, and, and be safe. But I really, uh, uh, you know, it's not necessarily you know, a possessive thing. It's because I realize that I don't own anything. God mm-hmm. owns it all. So and he's in charge. So uh, well, my point being, because I'm sure there's been many a man that's gone through the same situation as me. And mm-hmm. I just said, you know what, God, I hand this over to you finally. And just whatever. You know what I mean? Because you're first mm-hmm. and foremost, and I'm going to serve you. And instead of feeling woe for myself, you know, there's, there's there there's a spiritual war going on for there's uh, millions and billions of people suffering 
that don't know you, God. And I did tell you, God, that I would give up everything to serve you. And so, whatever. Because the more and more I realize it, it's not giving up anything. I mean, <laughs> he just freed me up to have to do more of his work. So, I, you know, I trust, you know, with my prayers that he's protected my son. And, and you know, the world's going to be a heck of a thing for for uh, him to conquer outside of the Lord. So uh, that's the only thing that I hope is, you know what I mean? So outside of that, you know, it's like, but my point being is that there's going to be a lot of fathers and parents that feel rejection and feel betrayed mm-hmm. by their children after all this time. And whether they're six years old or 16 years old, and yeah, there's a difference in age, and but is there? I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. it comes down to is, you know, if the Spirit of God's not there with them, they're going to do it. Absolutely. And what it's going to down to also that helps is, you know, your situation would sound a lot like God, knowing that you were born in sin, and, you know, for a long portion of your life, You didn't know the Lord, but you see, truth will always stand out no matter what. And if they think that they're doing something to try and keep him from the truth, even if they lie on you, although it may hurt, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is the truth will be shown. So I would say, yes, contend for your son, contend for what God, you know, intended for you to do, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. That you, you know, the Lord will make it so that he will come back to you, and when things begin to happen, he'll say, Dad told me about these things. And then he'll also recognize Mom and whomever tried to keep me from them. So all we can do is pray that the Lord allows this to come in. But one thing I've learned, and I'm still learning, is that you cannot bury the truth. If it's what you were teaching your son to know, no matter how many years may go by, it will come up. And when he recognized that someone has loved him enough to tell them the truth, and when he recognized that someone lied to him, thinking that they were protecting and loving him, he's going to be more offended by them that he will seek you. So that's not even a thing to worry about. I mean, I'm 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 not acting like I'm not in your situation. I'm just saying that, you know, God oh, will you're do speaking the, you're, what needs to be speak, done. You're speaking the truth, and don't worry about it, okay? Just speak the truth. Right. Don't worry about it. You and I are on the same good. page, bro. You can, right. you can speak as harsh as you want, man, because it's all true. So <laughs> go for it, man. Thank you. Uh, amen. All right, so next we're going to go to Job chapter 10 because we're going to get into this thing of, of visitation. And, you know, this is what, any obedient man would do, deciding to go with the instruction of God and wanting to change his life. This is Job chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse 1, and it says, My soul is weary of my life, and I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, Do not condemn me. Shew me wherefore thou contendest with me. So, you know, Job is known as one of the most righteous men of God, and he's saying, hey, I understand that I've been kicking against the pricks. I've been fighting against what you have said, so I'm weary. Lord, show me the error of my ways that I may change. This is spiritual maturity. It is good unto thee 
that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands, and shine upon the counsel of the wicked. Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as man seeth? Are thy days as the days of man? Are thy years as man's days? That thou inquirest after mine iniquity, and searchest after my sin? Thou knowest that I am not wicked, and there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. So he's giving the glory back to God, making it known. The buck stops at your desk, Lord. Verse 8, thine eyes have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech uh, thee that thou hast made uh, me uh, as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Uh, Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh, and uh, hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Sinews are um, like tendons, ligaments. So, you know, it, it's so funny how people look at the man of that time as a primitive man, but he's here breaking down the anatomy <laughs> you know, of God in this time. That's small, so I'll just continue, but... Verse 12, he says, Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. And these things hast thou hid in thine heart. I know that this is with thee. If I sin, then thou make and thou markest me, and thou wilt not acquit me from mine iniquity. If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. I am full of confusion, therefore see thou mine affliction. So Job is making clear that he wants the visitation from the Lord, and he wants to be in good standing with the Lord, to have the Lord come upon him, and he's doing the right things, that he would be of, you know, his spirit would be preserved. So this day of visitation is something we've all got to recognize, but Job began in the right place by recognizing if there's anything broken here, if there's anything wrong in my life, then it is me, and God can do no wrong. So he's pouring out his heart unto the Lord, seeking for answers, but we have to begin that God is right and we are wrong. I just wanted to bring that point up, and now let's go to Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10, and we're going to begin at verse 1. There's something that we ought to recognize, you know, these things that we worship, that we get into, these things bother God mightily. And we're going to get into, you know, Easter. We're going to get into Christmas. We're going to get into all these things that people think are no big deal in the church or even throughout the world. But we're going to see, because the Bible is going to prove it, that idolatry is not of the Lord, and he will not be a part of anything that worships another God. Okay, so this is Isaiah 1, I mean Isaiah um, 10, sorry. Isaiah 10, and we're going to begin at verse 1. And it says here, Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees, and that right grievousness uh, which they have prescribed, to turn aside the needy from judgment, and to take away the right from the poor, and my people that widows 
may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. So as you can see in Isaiah's time, this is kind of what, you know, we'll be dealing with in concerning idolatry. You have a lot of idolatrous pastors out there that are victimizing women and children and, you know, even men that are without because they love money. They love to have gain for themselves, and they don't care about the people. And that's why Jesus mentions in uh, Revelation chapter 2 about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The Lord hates it. He hates it. But what is uh, Nicolaitans? comes from two words, one meaning Nico, meaning ruler over or conqueror over, and the laity are the common people. So the, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is ruler over the common people. Uh, no, ruler over the people. And then when you find places like the Catholic Church, they will talk about, you know, having the clergy where you got the bishops and the archbishops and the pope and all these different things, but they are considering themselves above everyone else. And then you've got the laity out there, the common people, that don't know what to think, that are serving them. God hates that because when Jesus came, he brought the gospel down Main Street that all might receive it. Jesus was not a part of any religious works or rituals or things that were not of God. So as you can see, the Catholic Church is good for this. You know, you got the Greek Orthodox. You even got the Baptist pastor and all these guys in long robes sitting in thrones telling people that you need to have a tithe, your 10%, even though that was an Old Testament agricultural law. This is what the Bible means as far as taking advantage of the fatherless and the oppressed. Why? Because these guys are idolaters. They love themselves. They love money, and they don't care who they victimize. Okay, so if you're going to look at um, verse 3, and it says, and what will ye do in the day of visitation and in the desolation which shall come from afar? To whom will ye flee for help, and where will ye leave your glory? Without me they shall bow down under the prisoners, and they shall fall under the slain. For all this uh, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is still stretched out or stretched out still. So we understand once God decides to get up and judge a matter and he stretches forth his hand, there is no one that can tell him to sit back down. There is no one that can tell God, please give us another chance. Once he's decided to judge and move, then we've all better be weary of our actions concerning God. For these people that are out there like Creflo Dollar, T.D. Jakes, Joe Olstein, Joseph Prince, all these guys living high on the hog, telling people that you don't need to repent when you sin, telling people that you are once saved, always saved, telling people about seed faith offerings and money cometh unto me now, these things God will judge. One of them, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him, uh, Bishop Eddie Long, you know, he died of HIV and AIDS. You know, but this is the sort of thing where if, if, you know, preachers will receive the greater damnation for not telling people the truth and for, not, and for trying to be lords over God's inheritance. So you see, idolatry can take that term, but the Bible makes clear in, uh, chapter, in verse 3. 
He says, now what will ye do in the day of visitation and the desolation which shall come from far? Don't think that God is slack concerning his promises. He takes idolatry as a very, very serious sin. So we ought to be in good standing with God because if we're taking, you know, advantage over the fatherless and the, and the widows and pushing this prosperity garbage, God will come and deal with it. And you know it's a bunch of mess because think about this. If these guys believe that you can have seed faith offerings and that the more you give, the more you receive, then why don't they give back to the people having all this money and God will bless them and then you can play this game back and forth if it holds weight. But as you can see, it's only one-sided. Why? Because these modern-day preachers today, and that includes the Pope, that includes the bishops, that includes all these people that think that there's something that the Bible doesn't even talk about, that, you know, they are pimps. And, and it's unfortunate that they have a congregation full of prostitutes that need to be set free, that God can redeem these people that they may understand that the gospel is free and you don't have to pay for it and you don't have to answer to anyone for it except Jesus Christ. That's what this whole thing is about. So I'm not trying to preach hard tonight, but I want people set free from idolatry. There is no doctrine in here for Mary. There, You cannot buy your family out of purgatory. That's garbage, folks. The Bible says what it means, and we ought to hearken to it and stop being idolaters because God hates it. All right. Amen. 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 Guess what? I don't don't need to say it. Who's that? Oh, is that you? This is weird. Okay. Uh, You sound real clear all of a sudden. Uh, A lot clearer. Uh, Yeah. I don't have to say anything about my brother now. Thank you. <laughs> oh, problem solved. Right. I'm problem solved. <laughs> Hopefully he'll listen to that and say, you know what? There's another voice of reason trying to, you know, free you from the bondage of uh, uh, the nucleation of re- false religious construct. I'm putting oh, a man above you. A man above yes, you. Instead of, so. Okay, I'll let you go. All right, sounds good. This is verse 5. We're still in Isaiah 10 and 5. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is more indignation. I will send him against an hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath. Will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets? So what we got to understand, when the Bible says Assyrian, this can be, and Assyrian is a type of Antichrist, but this actually did happen with two Assyrian kings that eventually came, and for a while they you know, suppressed uh, Israel for about 30 years. But as you can see, what caused it was Israel turning their eyes away from the Lord, becoming idolaters. And see, this is what's happening to America. This is why... This economy is turning into what it is, is because people have taken their eyes off of God. And what's happening is anybody that will not be ruled by Jesus Christ will be ruled by tyrants. So as you can see, 
There's going to be judgment in America. There's a lot of things that God is going to have to come and repay for idolatrous practices that go against the things of God. So I just wanted to bring that forward because, you see, there's nothing new under the sun. When God comes to visit false gospel, false religious practices, things that are not of the one true God, you better be outside of that and be in good standing with him because if he has to come and deal with it, you're not going to like it. So that's what the day of visitation is all about. Where will we be when God comes to visit us and get these things right? So from here, let's move on. I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 8. Let's go to Jeremiah 8. But you know, the only church that exists is the church of God. There are no such thing as denominations. I've heard a pastor use the term once, demon nations, because that's pretty much what they are. There are no denominations in this Bible. Christian, the word Christian is in the Bible. Christianity is a religion. I'm not saying that Christianity isn't the ways of God, but all of the things that you find going on in the churches that are not of God, and you think that you can Christianize it and give it to Christ, you better think again. Because there were two people in Leviticus chapter 10, okay, that thought that they can do that, and they were sons of a high priest. We'll go there, too, if we've got to prove the point. But one thing we cannot do is offer God strange fire. Because if he comes and you give him something that he doesn't want, be prepared to accept the consequences. God is only going to accept that which he asked for. He doesn't care about any of your schemes or any of your desires or anything that you come up with a good idea to give him. God will only accept what he says he wants. And he holds his word above his name. So we better pay attention to what God says. This is Jeremiah 8, and let's, let's look at verse 1. At the time, saith the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of the princes and the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. And they shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven, whom they have loved and whom they have served, and after whom they have walked and whom they have sought and whom they have worshipped, that uh, they shall not be gathered nor be buried. They shall be for dung upon the face of the whole earth. So what do you find here is a type of necromancy, and you got a type of... Um, you know, worship of the dead, which the Bible tells us that you cannot do. But it also speaks of astrology here. And I'm going to prove it. People worshiping the sun and the moon and the planets and all these different things, those things are a part of astrology that are not of God. And it's funny that you find more people in churches, you know, stuck to astrology and your zodiac and these things that, that God doesn't want us to have anything to do with. Verse 3, and death shall be chosen rather than life, you see, by all the residue of them that remain of this evil family, of this evil family, which remain in all the places whither I have driven them, saith the Lord of hosts. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord, shall they fall and not rise? Shall they turn away and not return? 
Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit, and they refuse to return. So as you can see, just like we've been talking about, you know, this is the hard-headed people today. This is the religious spirit. No matter what you show them, they will not believe the truth. Why? Because they have replaced our God with another God. And the worst is to give it to man. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and 5, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. When you put a man between you and God, what will happen is you will fall away. You become an idolater to something that God never intended for you to be. So you see what went on back then? is the same thing going on today, that they would ignore what God said, they would backslide, and they would refuse to return to the truth, and they hold fast to deceit. And this is what you will find in a lying, perverse generation. You know, when when lies are told, when fantasies are told, when people believe they would rather be lied to than to receive the truth, that's a bad state of affairs. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 15, you know, that he would work with the Pharisees, but they hold fast to their traditions, things that they grew up in, things that they've known. And I want to tell people out there, you're not the only people that have had to go through this. I was raised in a Baptist church. I had to forget a whole lot of stuff that I grew up with and hung to the truth. God will not deal with the religious spirit because when that temple and that veil was rent, God meant for us to know him personally in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God wants to be full of you and God wants to use you, but your religious ways and the things that you tie yourself to keep you from serving and knowing the true God. So we've got to understand what's going on here. Look at verse uh, 4. I think that's where, uh, verse 5. And he says, Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back to a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. I hearken and heard, but they spake not aright. Uh, No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Every one turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. So everyone can't wait to go and get involved in the things that they've been in even after they have heard the truth. You know, and, and one of the funny things about um, what God hates, it's in, I believe, Proverbs 6 and 16 or Proverbs 16 and 6. But one of the things that he mentions is the six things that God hates and that seven being an abomination. And one was, he said, you know, feet that are swift to running into, um, running into, uh, oh, man, can't even remember the word exactly, but, oh, running into mischief. You know, you can't wait to find trouble. So, you know, when God gives us his truth, he wants us to cling to it and know him. But if we forsake the truth, that will allow us to be caught up in delusion. So this is God expressing what's wrong with his people and why no matter what he's showing them, they're not listening. Look at verse 7. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times and the turtle. 
and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. How do ye say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. So not only will people not listening to what's written, people will try and redefine what they think God meant, and they'll put private interpretations upon it. So they would rather say, and you've got people today that are so idolatrous, they will say that, you know, the Bible has been tampered with and they're self-proclaiming Christians. Now, I do believe that other Bible versions are, you know, but I believe that the King James is, you know, one of the best English versions that you can pay attention to. But people would rather say that the Bible was tampered with so they don't have to obey it and say that, well, we don't know who wrote this and who wrote that. It was written by man when the Bible says that all Scripture was, you know, inspired by God. So we understand that people are doing the same thing today, trying to say what's not written, even, you know, don't even want to believe their eyes, <laughs> you know, and try and find new ways to make the Bible, excuse me, and accommodate them. So that's something um, that, that they're talking about right there. Verse 9, the wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken low. They have rejected the word of the Lord and what wisdom is in them. So without God's wisdom, you don't have a whole lot of wisdom. That's what he's trying to say. Therefore will I give their wives unto others and their fields to them that shall inherit and inherit them. But every one from the least even unto the greatest is given to covetousness. They're given over to greed from the prophet even unto the priest. Everyone dealeth falsely. And guys, this has not changed. All pastors and preachers and priests know that if you take away Easter, what you're going to do is take away a huge portion of their revenue. Easter is the day of the year that all sinners come to church. Everybody makes their annual visit just to think that they're doing their duty in God. So the reason why many of them may know that these things are wrong, but they will not turn from them, is because they have become covetous, which is greedy. And, and he says even what? The pastor, the priest, the prophet, they're all prophesying falsely. So you see, you can't put your trust in man. You've got to put your trust in God. And how my brother and Michael and I found each other? That was the spirit of God. God meant for us to meet. God will pick better friends for you than you can pick for yourself. So the reason why, you know, if the Holy Ghost runs the show, he will give you what you need to be fed. If you read Jeremiah 2 and I believe 15, he says that he will give you pastors according to his heart. That, that they may feed the sheep and that they might have understanding. And I myself even look forward to other teachers of God. I've learned from watching, you know, many of Michael's videos, more interesting things concerning the spiritual realm. So iron sharpens iron. God means for us to have his spirit that we may edify one another and help one another. So I'll look at verse, uh, almost done with this part. Verse 11, and it says, For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people, 
slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now, this is, <laughs> this is the false prophet's signature. He's always going to tell you things are great, even though, you know, you got all hell breaking loose around you. They refuse to tell you the truth that Christians can expect persecution, that we ought to cling to the Lord, that we cannot take our salvation for granted, and that God hates sin and idolatry. So what will they do? They push those things on you because they know that these are things that you want to hear. So these people will say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Look at verse 12. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No. That's what name means. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And if people think that God is kidding, you wait and see. Now, we're going to get into these holidays, and we're going to explain a lot. I'm going to finish verse 13, and then we're going to move on. So it says, I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree, and the leaf shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. So you know that, that scripture where the Bible says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away? You know, when Jesus cursed that fig tree that no more figs may grow on it, that was symbolic for us if we choose not to let God grow the peaceable fruit in us, in his truth, in his word, in relationship with us. Jesus cursed it that no more figs may grow on it ever. That's what can happen to an idolatrous person that refuses to let God govern his life. God can write Ichabod on your doorstep and keep you from the truth. So we don't want the glory of the Lord to depart from us. We ought to take heed to what he says. God's not kidding. All right, let's go back one chapter, uh, Jeremiah chapter 7. I want to get into something here, and this is going to concern Easter, folks, so you guys will know I'm not lying to you. You know, and, and there's no way in the world that a Christian today should be ignorant of the word of God or of pagan beliefs because one thing is clear, you can Google almost anything today, okay, and come up with the truth. So because this has become an age of information, you can look up anything you want and find what you want today. But I encourage to be led by the Spirit because what will happen is, you know, there are things, just as many things there are to tell you something is false. There are just as many articles and things out there to tell you something is not false. Okay, so we ought to be led by what God says. But the truth is out there. It's whether or not we want to receive it. So here we are after Easter, and you guys pay, pay close attention to this. This is Jeremiah 7 and 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter into these gates to worship the Lord. So right away, if we look at um, Jeremiah 7 and 2 again, he says, Stand in the gate of the Lord's hey, brother, house. Hey, brother, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. 
Okay, let's go. Cool. If it is all right, could I just interject one little thing before you get going? Absolutely. On this Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's great, but I just uh, the, the spirit's really pulling on me to say something. Go for uh, it. That's not necessarily biblical, but it is biblical <laughs> in the sense yeah. of our own time. Uh, I hope people take seriously what you're saying about uh, how important it is that we remove all these idols in our lives. And because um, judgment is upon us, and it's much worse than most people have the eyes to see. True. And, and most of this country right now have put their faith in a man named Donald Trump, a man that has mm-hmm. been placed up as an idol, who mm-hmm. doesn't really know God. And... While that is happening, folks, uh, God is passing judgment on us. And I was talking about earlier about what would happen and about the figs and the fig tree, and that, you know, basically, you know, not producing. And the trees are dying all around us. I'm not making this up. I just did a video showing numerous trees dead in the forest, but this is not uniquely my area. This is throughout the whole country, throughout the world. Right. Geoengineering is happening, the chemtrails, all these things are happening, folks. And the reason why that is, is what we're talking about now. And you can try to figure this out, like Brother Derek is saying here. You know, the Internet and all the answers. And you can chase all these endless bunny trails that will lead you nowhere. There's only one answer. And that answer is to turn back to God. And what we're talking about is how to go about doing that. And you cannot find that in Brigham Church where a man is trying to replace, or even if he's not intentionally trying to replace, but you're allowing the man to take the place of a personal relationship with your creator. So I hope you take this seriously because... Judgment is upon us. If I can find mm. the amount of images of demonic entities, one guy, one lonely guy that means nothing in this world, if, if everywhere I go I see dead trees, everywhere I go I see chemtrails, everywhere I go I see people being sick, everywhere mm-hmm. I go, destructed, destroyed families, everywhere I go guys dying of drugs and all that, Judgment is upon us, and you know you could try to blame God for it, and a lot of the world's trying to do that. We have to look in the mirror. God Amen. gave us the directions and how to avoid all this, and we have refused to even open up His book, let alone listen to Him. That's right. Amen. And, so I'll shut up and let you go from there. But it just the, the spirit said, you know, say something like about this because it's it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the, judgment, the judgment is right before us, and people are just going to work back and forth. And like you said, was it was it Easter this weekend? Because I haven't been paying attention. So it was, it was uh, yeah, Easter. it is. Yep, it is. It's it's this weekend or last weekend? It's this weekend. I think uh, last <laughs> weekend was Palm Sunday. I know because I'm going to a. Um, there's a beach conference that we're going to have for the youth that we're going to, um, I'm going to go there and speak, you know, when certain uh, members of the ministry are coming with me 
you know, to, you know, speak to another uh, group of youth. So it's definitely Easter Sunday, this Sunday. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Go ahead, sorry. The idea of how disconnected God has me, disconnected me from the world. I had no idea it was Easter. I know people were talking about it. I just like, you know, it goes in one ear Mm -hmm. and out the other because I'm just like, well, I'm busy doing I got more important things to worry about than Easter, but in the end of the day, I do have to worry about it because not because uh, about going there, but because about warning people not to go there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That this is a very idolatrous day. It's it's a very wicked day, but people love it because mm-hmm. they love the darkness, don't they? They love the lie, like you said. I mean, it's just. Uh, Mm-hmm. I see it all the time with me trying to minister to some people that are in some of the darkest sectors of our society, whether it's, you know, like these people chasing after cryptids and Bigfoots and demons and ghosts and all that, you know, ghosts and that kind of thing. Not really mm-hmm. chasing after demons, and they don't want to hear the truth. They love the mm-hmm. lie more than the truth. I mean, and it's uh, trying to warn witches of what they're doing, you know what I mean, that they're entertaining mm-hmm. demons, then they don't want to hear it, you know, so... It's That's so right. uh, it's heartbreaking because you know, because uh, do care about them, even though they don't care about me. I care about them, and I want them to. And, and they don't care about our God. More importantly, they don't love our God. They don't. They don't want to know Him, like mm-hmm. I did most of my life. I know I what the answer. Is. You know what the answer is too, and it's like you shout at the from the rooftops. But in the modern day in our society, the rooftops happens to be the internet now. That's a sad. That's how bad it is. It's so bad. There's a thing about that. How bad the situation is, and how we have fallen. That literally, a man like you and I, we have the internet. We have to, by the grace of God, you know, we live in two, and <laughs> two ends of the this this country, thousand, you know, a couple of thousand miles away, mm-hmm. in order to talk to warn the people of, of this world and our country on what's going on because it's so bad that I'm not saying that street ministry is not important, but I'm saying so bad mm-hmm. folks that the voice has to be raised. We have to be reach out to as many people as we can of what's really going on. Because folks, if you put your faith in politicians and your own understanding and your own abilities, you're going to be crushed. You're going to be destroyed. You are going to be destroyed, and it will be by, and God will let it happen. God doesn't answer. He just says, okay, this is what you want. Next you know, we're we're killing each other. We're lying to each other. We're destroying each other. We're destroying his creation. We're worshiping demons. We're following demons. Mm -hmm. We're so blind spiritually, Brother Derek, that most people don't even have the slightest clue the spiritual warfare that we're under. They think it's against against, uh, simply against one group against another, and it's much deeper than that. Oh, man. Anyways, I'll let you go. I'm going to stop. No, you're you're so right, and I'm glad you did intervene because, you know, like the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. What I'm telling people here. And what my brother Mike just, you know, laid out is that we really need to have an understanding that we are sheep when it comes to understanding the spirit realm, that we need God's guidance because he's not a party pooper. 
He's trying to save souls. If you want to know why the economy is down, why jobs are being taken, why you're beginning to see all these things occur in this country. And I'm not all about saving America. I'm about saving souls. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and it's his kingdom that I'm here to represent. But I'm just letting people know that when a land goes desolate, it's because of disobedient people. And there is no way that you can, you know, try and figure out the economy. These people are sinking the economy on purpose. Why? Because this is the devil's world, and this is what he wants to do. He wants to oppress and suppress, and he wants a new world order. Okay, so eventually the cash is going to be taken away, and and so many things are going to happen, not because, you know, um, we haven't figured out how to deal with the economy. It's because we've taken our eyes off of the one true God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you have that, then you can expect the devil to rule every part of your life. So you're absolutely right, bro, and I'm glad you said what you said. This is Jeremiah 7, and look at verse 2 again. Stand in the gates of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. So right away we're speaking of a synagogue or church or temple, okay, that he's telling people, hey, before you come into these gates, hear what I'm saying. Verse 3. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. So what does he mean? That a lot of people will go into their churches on Sunday, and, because, and there's no life of the Holy Ghost in there at all. And, you know, all types of idolatrous practices, you got pastors getting, you know, women in the congregation pregnant. You got all this crazy stuff going on. And and we've got the nerve to call that church a church of God, a temple of the Lord. He said, pay no attention to these lying words. And that's why Jesus says later in Matthew 7, you will know them by their fruit. You know, and and that's what we need to figure out and know is what God says is true. Verse uh, 5, for if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, that means do it right. If ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods, to your hurt. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. So what is the promise of us today pursuing the Lord and doing what he wants? Eternal life. God will bless those who are obedient unto him. But we've got to understand, he said a few things here. He talked about amending their ways and changing their doings, judging righteously, not oppressing the stranger, someone that might not be, you know, what you would consider one in society that should be in a church. He may be homeless. You know, that the church is a house for the broken, the fatherless, like the orphan or, or the widow, you know, that's husbandless, and shed not innocent blood. Now, what does he mean? This goes right back to what we were talking about when people – were in the days, uh, in those days, 
They were sacrificing their children unto a god named Moloch, who was another name for Baal, another name for Nimrod. But they would have this statue that would be out burning all day, white hot, with his hand stuck out in the valley of Hinnom, which is south of Jerusalem. And, you know, they would bring them down into that valley of Topheth, which means a place of mourning. So what people would do at this time, they would sing and make as much noise, beat drums, do whatever they could to not hear people sacrificing their children by laying them on the white-hot hands of this statue named Moloch, and the child would just disintegrate. But they would try and drown out the noise, and this is how they worshipped. And that's why the Bible says, don't let your son or daughter pass through the fire. Those things are abominations unto God. What are we doing today? The same thing. Planned Parenthood is a temple of Moloch where people are allowing um, themselves to have saline solution poured into the womb to burn the baby out of the womb. Why Satan is so strong in this world today is because many of us are are idolaters to Moloch. We have become self-idolaters, self-loving. And because of that, every time babies are being aborted, which is 3,000 a day in this country, you give the demonic realm such power because the life is in the blood, and like we know in Jesus Christ, well, the life is also in innocent blood unto the demonic realm. So God is going to visit these things, and this is why if we turn from our wicked ways and we turn from that spirit of murder and we give it to Jesus Christ, he will heal us and take away those things that God you know, will repent what he intends to do and change, you know, and not destroy this country, okay? But the reason why this country is falling is a lack of God. So he says, you know, not to the innocent blood that's going on in the temple. Look at verse 7. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold ye, trust in lying words that cannot profit. So, you know, he's telling them, don't trust in lying words that don't profit. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal? Now, you know, Easter, and I'm going to prove it, because when you hear the word Balaam in the, um, in the uh, Old Testament with the I-M at the end, that is the worship of two gods. One is Baal, which is Nimrod. The other is Ashtaroth, which is, you know, Easter, okay, which is, it's a female entity, but it's it's Easter, it's Diana, it's Isis, it's Venus. It's all of these names that people, you know, uh, think that there's no big deal with. That's the God you are worshiping for Easter. And I'm going to prove it. Even in the Catholic Church, it's Mary, okay? So we're going to prove this right now. So he says that these people were burning incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not and come and stand before me in this house which are which is called by my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations. So the Lord is asking, you mean to say you're going to stand in my name and pretend like that garbage has something to do with me. Verse 11, in this house which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. 
But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not. And I called you, but ye answered not. Therefore will I do unto this people, I mean unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done in Shiloh, or to Shiloh. Therefore pray thou, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up, cry, nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. So this is an indication of what idolatry can put between you and the Lord. What we want, excuse me, just had to sneeze a little bit, sorry, but what we want is to be heard of the Lord. What can stop the Lord from answering your prayers? Idolatry. So he's saying, hey, you can pray for them. You can do whatever you want for them. I will not hear you if they decide not to hearken unto him. Verse 17, now look at this. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and their fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Now let's examine this. When he says ned their dough and make cakes, that word for cake is the uh, Hebrew word kavan. That would be what you would see. Anybody Google that word, but it's K-A-V-A-N or K-E-V-A-N. But it's what you would have known growing up around our time for Easter, which is considered a hot cross bun. Okay, you ever see those buns with the T's in the middle of them that people put butter in? Well, that's what they were doing then, and this is what they're celebrating Easter. For whom? The Queen of Heaven. Don't the Catholics call their, their uh, Mary Queen of Heaven? Well, you see, the Catholics had a problem when they tried to convert Christians to follow their ways. They couldn't get rid of all their gods, so they thought that Mary would be the perfect fit for their god, Semiramis, Astaroth, you know, Diana, Easter, Venus, all these titles that we've got to pay attention to. These people are celebrating Easter in the church of God, in the house of the Lord. And look at verse 19, and he says they provoke him to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, my anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man and upon beast and upon the trees of the field and upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. God, folks, is not kidding. And that's why I'm so glad, brother, that you brought up about you just did a show on the trees are being destroyed and things are happening. You know, God is going to allow this because we've got so much idolatry in our lives. And anybody thinks that I'm lying, look this up for yourselves. You go to um, 
Jeremiah 44, I just want to read uh, one other thing. Let's go to Jeremiah 44 and get uh, and get Jeremiah 10, because we're going to go there too. But if you go to Jeremiah 44 and you look up, let me find it real quick. Uh, if you look at verse 15, he says, Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelled in the land of Egypt, and Pathros answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the, in the, uh, the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. So as my brother Michael and I tonight are coming forward, telling people about the dangers of idolatry, and we're reading it right out of the Bible itself, you're going to hear people that will that will not answer nor want to hear the truth. And that's why I always make clear in my teachings, we are talking to the holy remnant of God. If you are listening to this and you can hear what I am saying to you, that is supernatural intervention of the Lord. Okay, so I know that everybody's not going to hear the truth. If they didn't want to hear Jesus, don't think that they're going to want to hear you and I. So it's okay. We are speaking to the remnant of God, those who want to receive the truth in Christ. Okay, so if you look at this, he's going to um, make it clear. In verse 17, he says, But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. As we have done we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. So you see, this is the other problem. Some people may recognize, well, I've been doing Easter for 40 years and God hasn't closed down my church. Well, God knew that you were ignorant of what he was telling you to know. Now that he winked at your ignorance for a season, it is his grace that he's allowing people to come to you and tell you to repent before it's too late. He says, but since we have left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. So this is what's happening in America right now. You know, you got Chinese troops on one coast, You've got Russian troops on the other coast. Many of them are already here. And, you know, it's the grace of God that they have not fully invaded and taken over. America has already been sold. If you put your trust in America, you better think again. This country was already bought, paid for, and sold unto China, unto Russia, and there's other countries involved. Put your trust in Jesus Christ that he might deliver you in the time of visitation. But you see, these people are worshiping uh, the queen of heaven, which is Easter, and what's happening? God is allowing them to be taken over by the sword and by famine. It's things like this that put Israel into captivity, first to the Babylonians, then to the Persians, then to the Greeks, then to the Romans. And, you know, we're still living in a Roman Empire today that we've got to understand the only freedom from this matrix is Jesus Christ. 
So he says in 19, and we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her. Did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her uh, without our men? Then Jeremiah said unto all the people, to the men and to the women, and to all the people which had given him uh, that answer, saying, uh, the incense that ye burned in the city of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, ye and your fathers, your kings and your princes, and the people of the land did not the Lord remember them, uh, and came and came it not into his, came it not into his mind, so that the Lord could do could no longer bear because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which ye have committed. Therefore is your land a desolation and an astonishment and a curse without an inhabitant at, uh, as at this day. Because ye have burned incense and because ye have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, nor walked in his, in his law, nor in his statutes, nor in his testimonies, therefore this evil is happened unto you at this day. So he makes clear why they're being judged is this queen of heaven in the churches that people are worshiping. So we want to look at Easter like it's no big deal. And I can even show you because we don't have time to go into it. Let's go to Jeremiah 10. But if you guys look at Acts chapter 12 in your spare time, people try and make the argument that the word Easter is in the Bible. I'm here to tell you if you read it, if you look at it right, it's going to show you that the Passover came first and then came this Easter. What we got to understand is it was King Herod that was worshiping Easter. So Easter is not the Passover. That is not true. They used that word, but it was Herod that was worshiping Easter, and they wanted to kill Peter after Easter, okay? But Easter was not a part of the Bible, okay? So we got to understand that was a pagan ritual then. It's a pagan ritual now. Do your research on it. But right now, I'm going to go to Jeremiah 10. We're going to knock this out real quick, and I'm going to go to two New Testament scriptures, and I believe that we can close out from there because I don't want to take up too much time. But, brother, if you got anything to add, you know, uh, go for it. Oh, no, I'm just enjoying the lesson. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So this is uh, Jeremiah 10, and we're going to look at verse 1. And it says, Hear ye the word of the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs, the traditions of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now, now, bro, what does that sound like to you? <laughs> if you had to seriously judge this, it says the traditions of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, and they deck the halls, deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers that it move not. 
Now, if you had to really judge what that was, that sounds an awful lot like a Christmas tree, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> you know, but these are the practices of the pagan. He makes clear they are not the heathen. I mean, you were not to be of the heathen. Look at verse 5. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. So what do we know here? That a Christmas tree is an idol. They must needs be home because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good. So what he's saying here is a lot of people don't know that the Christmas tree is a pagan practice. It's the worship of Nimrod. When you see, like, the lights around your tree, it's supposed to be snakes. It's supposed to represent that. you got a five-pointed star on top of your tree. When you um, even give gifts, you usually have to kneel down to plant it, you know, to put a gift under the tree, and you got to kneel down to receive one. That's an idol in your home, folks. It's an old practice. We don't have a lot of time to get into it, but look up um, Doc Marquis, I would recommend, who talks about America's occult holidays. He was a, a witch for, I think, three generations, and he told you, he told everyone that these practices are what witches do. While we're out singing fa-la-la-la-la and all that stuff, these guys are out doing some insane ritualistic practices out in fields, you know, performing witchcraft, child sacrifice, sexual orgies of the worst kind. They even do this on Easter. You ever notice why your Easter is always on a full moon or a new moon? It's a new moon. But Easter is never on the same day. So how can it be about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's got nothing to do with that. And if you want further understanding, we did a teaching called Easter, the Queen of Heaven. Okay, but it will talk, or you can look it up on soundthetrumpetministries.com. But we will prove that Jesus left around midnight. When Mary Magdalene came to see Jesus, it was still dark. Okay, it was early in the morning, still dark. The body of Jesus was already gone. We don't have time to get into that, but. If people are trying to use this to say Easter is only because we're worshiping Jesus and he rose on a Sunday morning, that's a lie, okay? So I'm just telling you guys this right now, that you've got to study your Bible to understand that these things are pagan practices and they go against God. So he's saying, you know, don't pay attention to these palm trees. They've got no power. They don't speak to you. When you leave to go somewhere, they've got to stay at home. They can't even go with you. So there are no gods to worship is what God is saying. He said, don't worry about them. They can't do evil or good to you. Verse 6, for as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? For to thee doth it appertain, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. So our God is the God above all gods. He is to be feared. He's the one and only true God. Verse 8, but they are altogether brutish and foolish. Look at what the Bible calls people that are involved in this. And this is not insulting you, but God is saying, hey, I made you to be an intelligent creation. Certainly you don't think that these idols are God. And you can't equate them with the one true God. So God is trying to tell you to wise up and use that, you know, use that gray matter between your ears and, and understand that these things have no power or value. 
So he says, the stock is a doctrine of vanities. What is vanity? Like a vapor, like a breath, something that, you know, would make you feel good, warm and fuzzy inside. They tell people get into the Christmas spirit, but they don't tell people about, you know, getting into the spirit of Jesus Christ. And as you can see, what does giving gifts have anything to do with Jesus? So, you know, it's a bunch of garbage. I'm sorry, people. I'm just telling you this out of love. So he says in verse 9, Silver spread into plates and is brought from Tarshish, the gold uh, from Euphes, the work of the workmen of the hands, and the founder of blue and purple is their clothing, for they all the work of cunning men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king at his wrath. The earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He that made the earth by his power, he hath established the world by his wisdom. This is our God. And hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain. He bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. So as you can even see, lightning and all these things would not be possible if not for the one true God. Now, I won't deny that Satan through, you know, he's a super scientist, Lucifer, he knows how to, you know, alternately make some things happen. Have you guys ever heard of the HARP system that's out there? You know, High Active Aurora Research Project or High Frequency Active Aurora Research Project? These guys know how to manipulate weather and cause things to happen. But see, this is what happens when you give the devil free reign into your life. All right? Let me stay on the subject because I don't want to go off into that. But it makes clear. In verse 14, every man is brutish, like a, like a beast, in his knowledge, like meaning his own understanding. Every founder is confounded by the graven image, for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. Anyone wants more understanding of what was just said, go to Psalm 115, where the Bible makes clear that idols are dumb. And that includes, you know, uh, lots of different idols that people might look at. Our God is alive. Their gods are molten and graven images. They cannot speak. They cannot think. They do not eat. Okay, so they are not alive like our God is. So he says, they are vanity and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. So as we understand We've got to give God his time, and we cannot be a part of things that are not righteous, okay? God takes idolatry very, very serious. I do want to go to one other place before I said I um, – let's go to Hosea 9. I want to address this idol, too, real quick. But anybody in their spare time, um, look at Ezekiel chapter 8 where the Bible even says that they were weeping for Tammuz in the temple. That's Ezekiel 8. 13 and 14, but Tammuz is another is the is the birthday that people uh, worship on Christmas. 
That's who you're calling out to. You're calling out to the sun god. You're not calling out to the son of God. That's his birthday is, de- is December 25th, not the birthday of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus was born um, around the time of the harvest, which would have been late September, early October. All right, and I'm glad that we don't know the real birthday of Jesus, so we won't become idolaters and worship that. You see, fallen man has a real problem with idolatry, but all God wants us to do is come unto him and know him. All right, there's one other idol we're going to unconfront, and uh, I don't want to take up too much time, but this idol is called Baal Peor. Anytime you find Baal Peor in your Bible, it is the worship of the opening. It's the worship of the female form, okay? And a lot of men are hooked to this. When you when you hear in the Bible that there are groves built and you find that, um, you know, they were on poles, when you look at these strip clubs today, these are modern-day temples of Baal Peor. It is the worship of the opening. If you look at the goddess Ashtoreth, that is in um, that is in Islam, and you see that Kaaba stone there that's inside of that silver thing that looks like a woman's body part. That's exactly what it is, and that's exactly what they're kissing, and they are worshiping Baal Peor. So I want people to understand this: that the worship of that is not of God. Okay, so let's go to Second Kings twenty-three and um, get Luke nineteen if you can. And we are going to conclude from there. And, bro, if you've got anything to add, you know, I don't want to hog the show, so you can go for it. All right. So this is Second Kings 23. And we're going to look at uh, – did you have something to add, bro? Oh, not really. I mean, that's just uh, great teaching, and, uh, you know, it makes me think of a lot of things that – but. Uh, that would just derail the teaching. Let's stay on focus here, okay? Oh, okay, sounds good. So this is Second <laughs> Kings 23. This is a time of when God had a, a king that did what was right, and they cleaned house, and this is what we ought to do. You want to know how to, you know, build up the temple of God, which is us? You want God's favor in your life? You want things that God will, um, you know, you will hear from him and get, um, his will done. Look at this. This is Second Kings 23. And the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. So this would have been their Torah at the time. You know, the first five books are like the law of Moses or what the Lord was telling us how to live. So he went to the word of God in order to clean house and set standards in the temple. Don't let this shoot by you. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people stood to the covenant. 
So, bro, this is just what we were talking about in the beginning, about loving the Lord first. So what did this king do? He repented. He came before the Lord, and he um, decided to follow the Lord in his statutes with all his heart and all his soul. This is the beginning of repentance. So as you can see, the Old Testament is not that different from the New. Look at 4. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest and the priest of the second order, and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem and the fields of Kidron, in the fields of Kidron, and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. And he put down the idolatrous priest, he threw them out, uh, whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense and the high places of the cities of Judah. And in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burned incense unto Baal, uh, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the host of heaven. If you look up that word for planet, it, it clearly states that they are wandering stars. But I don't want to go there tonight, but they are not the planets that you think they are. And this is why they're telling people like you and I to worship those false galaxies out there because they want you worshiping fallen angels and demons. So as you can see, this guy is cleaning house from all this stuff. Verse 6, and he says, And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto the brook Kidron, and burned it at the brook Kidron, and stamped it small to powder, and cast the powder thereon upon the graves of the children of the people. And he brake down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. So as you can see, and this is a sensitive topic too, but I'm speaking to anybody that wants the truth in Jesus Christ. You cannot be a gay pastor, okay? And homosexuality is not allowed in the kingdom of God. God will take you as you are, but he will not leave you that way. If you repent from your sins, God will receive you. But there's no such thing as believing in Jesus Christ and believing that homosexuality is a part of God. So I'm not trying to bring controversy on your show, brother, but one thing is for sure, God's word is true. Let God be true and every man be a liar. So this is, are you going to say something? Uh -oh. oh, did you hear me? Uh, no, I didn't no, hear you. I, I, oh, no, I just... I'm just. I just laughed. You said you didn't want to bring any controversy on my show. Oh, okay. Because you know <laughs> me, I just don't care. <laughs> you no, know, I, don't I care. love people I, enough to tell them the truth. So, yeah. I'm, I'm right with you, brother. Right with you. All right. Sounds good. This is verse. You, 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 listen, you, you're not lying. You're telling the truth. It's as simple as that. So mm -hmm. if it's controversial, then this, uh, if anybody has an issue with it, you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what is it an issue? Exactly. You know, because it's a good chance that you were lied to about why, you know, the world has been telling you that it's normal and it's and that it's biological and all that instead of a sin. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, just think about it, you know, just think about how nasty the whole thing is. It is. I mean, it's it's so perverse. And you see, demons can give you an appetite for those things that are not of God. Go ahead, bro. 
Well, and I know when I was a man of the world and I was like totally into the, like, it, well, I can tell you right now too, like the new age religion and a lot of these uh, idolatrous false religions out there that are against Christ, they turn you slowly into uh, a sodomite. Yes. And, yes. you know, you're a sodomite, you know, just to give you, you know, okay, so it's not just necessarily a man and a man, uh, you know, a man That's can right. sodomize a woman and, I hate to say this, folks, but you know, as a man of the world, you know, but there was probably there was no bars hold as far as what to do. You know what I mean? It's just get the most experiences we want out of it. You know what I mean? Instead of what it was really mm-hmm. meant to be. That's absolutely uh, right. You're right because the world will give you an appetite for it. It's a sodomite is not just somebody that is you know involved with a man or a woman involved with a woman. If you look up sodomy in Webster's Dictionary. It is oral or anal copulation, okay? So you can be a part of that, but you see, that's the thing that is against God. Those practices are unclean, and some people may try and hide behind the marriage bed is undefiled. Well, the marriage bed is to be held in high esteem and honorable before God. So if God was against that back then, he is against it today, and we stand on the truth concerning what God's word says. It is that simple. We can have an appetite for the unclean, and that's why we need the Spirit of God to set us right. So this is this is a verse, uh, I believe I just read, uh, this is verse 8, and we're done. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense uh, from Geba and Beersheba and break down the high places of the gate that were in the entering end of the of the gate of Joshua the governor of the city, which were on a man's left hand and at the gate of the city. So we don't need to continue to go into this. Oh no, actually, there's one other thing. If you scoot down to verse 10, and he defiled Topheth. Remember that place, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom that no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Moloch. So you see, God, when he decides to clean house, he cleans house. He doesn't just leave some things and take things away. One more scripture, because we're going to see the master himself do this very same act, and we can close from there. But if anybody, you know, can hear this right now, Let's hearken unto the words of the Lord and let's clean up our homes because who is going to protect us in the time of this visitation will be none other than Jesus Christ himself. The world has not a clue because they have not given him the time or the relationship that they could have. It's time to stop worrying about religion because a lot of people will say, don't preach to me. You know, I'm not religious. Well, I'm trying to tell you this is not about religion. This is about a relationship with someone that can meet every need that you have and protect you and your family and give you the promise of eternal life if you hearken unto him. So let's go to Luke 19 where we are going to close, and let's look at verse 28. Luke 19 and 28. Look at the master work. Right, Luke 19 and verse 28, and it says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem, 
And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which uh, at, the, at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet, um, yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him here. And if any man ask you, why do ye loose him? Uh, thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. Let's not let this shoot by us. Because what we got to understand concerning this is, you know, Jesus says in John 3 that um, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and neither can anyone tell the sound thereof. So is every one that is of the kingdom of God. The way that the wind blows, if we are controlled by the Spirit, wherever the Spirit decides to go, we are to go. And, and Jesus said, so is everyone that is of the kingdom of God. So Jesus needed to ride into town. And what did Jesus need? He needed a colt loose. Let's, let's, let's pay attention to this. He needs the colt to be set free that he may ride them. He may ride them. And if anybody asks why does he need this colt, it's so that, you know, it's to tell them that the Lord has need. This is how free, these are the lively stones. This is what God wants you and I to be and not bound to religion, not bound to your church services, not stuck to ministries that are not doing the will of the Lord. If God decides to get you to move, to do a work for him, we should be led by the Spirit in all affairs. If you're a cult that's tied up, then Jesus can't ride you. If you are loosed, from the world and free unto his spirit, he can ride you into town. He can take you wherever he wants to go, but let's just pay attention to that. So he says in verse 32, And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to the um, to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in the heaven, and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto them, Master, rebuke thy disciples. So these people were religious. So they wanted, you know, they didn't want singing praise. There's a church called the Church of Christ that's like that. They don't like music. The Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. There's nothing wrong with praise and worship. It's the type of praise and worship that matters. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. No rap music, no country music, no Jesus rock, no any of that stuff that you come up with. You can praise the Lord, okay? But it's got to be in the right spirit concerning God. So then he says, and he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. 
So who is this Jesus that we serve? Who is this Jesus that even if we decided not to follow him, the very stones of creation will cry out unto him? Man, and we think by getting on our knees that we're doing Jesus a favor, we ought to thank him that he has given us the grace to get to know him and to be a part of his inheritance. The very stones would cry out if no one praised God. Verse 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. So Jesus was speaking of the early um, attack of the Romans in 70 A.D. In 63 A.D., this is, this is factual, that the Romans dug a trench around Masada, around Jerusalem, and they stopped transportation from going in or coming out. And those who hearken unto Jesus when he says, you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, flee. And those people were okay. But those who did not listen to what Jesus Christ had said, they remained, and this is what happened. And I'm here to tell people not to bring more controversy, but you know what? Truth is truth. But this is the purpose for the wall. For all those patriots that are out there that call themselves, you know, trying to get the Mexicans to go back over the border because they feel like this is their country, you better recognize that a gate is to keep something in or out. You better pay attention. Instead of being a racist or a patriot, you better start seeking God and his guidance for what the enemy tends to do because everybody thinks Donald Trump is against the new world order. Listen, you can't become president unless you are a family member. Okay, unless you are a part of their group, you cannot become a president. So I'm just letting you know here, don't be deceived. Put your trust in Jesus and not in man. Oh, boy, you know, I didn't intend to go into some things tonight, but things like the Lord wanted to. So he says in verse 44, and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. So I believe personally when all hell breaks loose, God is going to tell his people what to do and where to go. We do not have to fear man or anything that the enemy is bringing upon us because we've got the one true God. Now look at our Lord clean house and we are done. And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and they that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. So you can see what the religious mind does. And if you read John 2, the Bible makes clear. And I think it was Matthew, uh, another part of Matthew, maybe Matthew 14. But it makes clear that Jesus went in there with a whip, with a scourge. And he turned over the tables and beat their butts out of the temple. Now that is righteous judgment. 
because he said the zeal of my father's house is eating me up. And you know what? It's eating me up. The church needs to be representative of Christ, leaving idolatry aside and doing what God tells us to do. So Jesus had the clean house. And look what he did in 48. And could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So you see, when you clean the atmosphere, people will be able to hear. What's got people's eyes and ears stopped up is idolatry, is the worship and the wrong practices. It's having other gods aside from the one true God. So I just want people to know, because the Bible also says in another account, when Jesus, you know, clean house, that he said that even babes in Christ were worshiping him, that healing was done, that sanctification was brought, that miracles were everywhere because God made the atmosphere conducive for the Spirit of God. We're not talking religion. We're not talking idolatry. We're talking about worshiping the one true God, which is Jesus Christ. So let us turn from our wicked ways and let us follow the God of heaven in Jesus Christ, our Savior, because he's the only one that's going to get us through in these times. This is Second Chronicles 7.14, and I'll close with this. Brother, it's all yours. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So what does God want us to do? Forsake the world, give it to Christ, and I just want to tell people out there, I love you, and let's follow the one true God. Amen. Um, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, bro. Okay, I'm so sorry. I did that three times in this recording. Terry, uh, hopefully next next show uh, I can uh, get some things sorted out here and not have to worry about the headset muting it that way. Right. Anyways, uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to pray. Uh, dear Father, Almighty God, I just want to say uh, I'm not worthy of this moment. I'm not worthy of, uh, of being in with a brother that can preach and teach and actually has a spirit uh, <laughs> with him. And I just want to say thank you so much, God. And uh, I ask thank you that you uh, you uh, will graciously bless him in his ministry and his uh, and his flock and, there, and that, that he be protected from the enemy and his many minions and thank that you uh, be richly, you richly bless him and that uh and that this word will get out, and that other people will hear this message will understand the sincerity the truth of what's been said, and yes, the fact Lord. that nobody's trying to play any games with anybody. we're simply telling you the truth, and I'm so grateful, God, that I have a brother in Christ who has the talent and and the ability and is truly inspired by you God because clearly brother Derek's eyes have been opened up not only to the, your word God but to the world around us and so mm -hmm. um, I just asked you that you continue to do that and um, that we may be together again soon because 
Well, I love it, God. Thank you. So, And I love you, God, and I love our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and I love everything about you, God. You're awesome. You're the best. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' name. Love you. Good night. Roger that. So, are you still here with me? Yeah, I'm here, bro. Okay. Okay, so, hey, listen, once again, Derek, Alec, uh, uh, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, um, you can check out the YouTube channel and also go to his uh, website. And uh, I hope you got something out of this, because I know I did. So, all praise and goes to our great, mighty God. I'm going to close this out on my end. You just stay on. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.